This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 459. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Mr. P- producer extraordinaire, uh, Marine, Jarhead, <laughs> awesome dude. What's up, him. man? We accept him. <laughs> we overlook his faults. Yes, many of them, many, <laughs> many faults. Uh, it's my awesome friend Matthew Marister. Glad, Glad to be to here the with you today, bro. Yeah, me too, man. We get the I get the night spot, so I'm I'm happy. <laughs> Keeping you away from your family. It's all I good. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a mean mean person. Slave <laughs> driver here. so guys uh looking forward to today's episode this is our industry news and gear reviews episode uh we are going to be talking a bunch about a bunch of different industry news stories and then matthew and i each feature a couple of gear review uh uh, or gear reviews at the end we're also going to be talking about a newly announced product that will probably be featured in a gear review at some point in the hopefully relatively near future looking forward to talking about that <clears throat> a new product release from a favorite company of mine but uh, today's episode is brought to you by first ccw safe ccwsafe.com is the place to go to learn more about ccw safe and its coverage and what they have to offer for all of you uh it should be noted that guardian nation members get i think 15 or 20% off. I always forget the numbers. I think it's 15. <clears throat> I'm not sure either. Oh, you got me questioning it. Maybe I'll see if I can dig that up. Um, either way, it's a substantial discount off of a fantastic membership at CCW safe. It's valid, uh, towards the defender plan or the, uh, uh, ultimate plan. Or if you're a law enforcement or military, uh, individual, there's the, uh, protector plan, I think is, is the one that's, uh, available for, for you as well. Either way, you save big if you are a Guardian Nation member as well. So today's other sponsor of the podcast is Guardian Nation. GuardianNation.com is the place to learn more about becoming a member of the nation. And those two things collide in a big way tomorrow. Tomorrow evening, in fact, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. I'll have to get used to the fact that for the first time ever, I think, I'll be doing a Guardian Nation live broadcast in a different time zone. I've almost always done those from the home base here in Colorado. I think I participated in one or two from Utah or Idaho uh, once upon a time, but those are in the same time zone. So tomorrow, Jacob and I are actually going to be in Oklahoma City at CCW Safe headquarters. And we're going to be doing Guardian Nation Live, which is a members-only live video broadcast. We're going to be doing that live from CCW Safe headquarters tomorrow with our special guest, Gary Eastridge, who is one of the big dogs over there at CCW Safe. And Gary is a, a retired law enforcement professional and investigator. He spent a lot of his career investigating uh, homicides and other serious crimes. So I promise you, for those of you Guardian Nation members, you will not want to miss tomorrow evening's GN live broadcast. And if you're not a GN member, 
That's the point of us mentioning it. Guardianation.com to get signed up. And I'll tell you what, I will just throw out there, if you haven't heard it before, we have a 14-day free trial. All right? So easy, low barrier to get over here, okay? Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash 14-day. And that is written out as 14-D-A-Y. Concealedcarry.com forward slash 14-D-A-Y, 14-day. And that'll immediately add to your shopping cart a 14-day free trial of Guardian Nation. And if you do that by tomorrow evening, you'll actually have access uh, almost immediately. You'll, you'll be able to participate in tomorrow's in live. And you see everything else that Guardian Nation membership has to offer that you'll probably want to stick around as a member. But uh, <clears throat> feel free to check it out. And don't miss the special live broadcast with Gary Eastridge from CCW Safe Headquarters in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, tomorrow evening, 8 p.m., Central Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, so, yeah, super excited, and we're super excited to, to be doing that with uh, our partners there at CCW Safe, and, and we're proud to be uh, joined up with them, uh, with them as our sponsor of today's podcast. <clears throat> so, that's all I had to say about that. Let's get into the news. First up, there's an article from Newsweek, newsweek.com. And this is titled, Despite Pandemic Lockdowns, Mass Shootings Are 35% Higher Than 2019, and the Year's Not Even Over. Mm. Matthew, I know that you're the one that brought this article to my attention. So you know what the gist is with this. Why don't you give us a rundown of what this Newsweek article is all about, and maybe where some of its shortcomings are as well. Yeah, so, I mean, okay, so obviously... Um, we're talking about lockdowns. Not a lot of people are at school, not as many people at school, at offices, going to outdoor events and things like that, right? Um, businesses are, you know, a lot of people are working from home. So you would think statistically, if you're going to say, uh, you know, our typical mass shootings would be down. Um, however, it's not that simple, right? Because we know that mass shootings aren't just a, 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 you know, a byproduct of people being in a, in a location, right? There's other tons of other factors that go into it. Well, this uh, article goes in and it says um, it, it takes statistics from um, the gun violence archive. And they looked at mass shootings and what they consider a mass shooting is, I mean, it's basically open to interpretation for whatever. There's no real, they, I mean, so they even go into it. It says the gun violence uh, archive. This is in the article that's quoting the evidence or the, the numbers from gun violence archive. Gun violence archive does not exclude, set apart, caveat, or differentiate victims based upon the circumstances in which they were shot, including defensive gun use. Uh, so their mass shootings data uh, is not limited to the often widely publicized incidents that occur in public. Um, so, you know, you're, they're, they're including um, incidents where, um, you know, we had a lot of uh, riots, right. Or, or demonstrations, whatever you want to call them, right. Gatherings of violent people, whatever politically correct term you want to use. Mm -hmm. And there were shootings where people were shot and injured. Right. And so um, these are, being lumped in as mass shootings. 
I, I guess they're mass shootings. Um, and, and these aren't even um, instances where people died. You know, we typically think of a mass shooting like, you know, innocent people just being mowed down. And they're talking about, you know, uh, a gangbanger comes and shoots up another gangbanger party or something like that. Right. And so I'm not saying these people don't aren't important. Right. I'm just saying that the statistics are very skewed. Um, and, and if you think about it, they're trying to equate, you know, um, you know, somehow that because we're not out and about that shootings would go down, but I mean, violent people are violent regardless. And when you cram them into a, into a house and not let them leave and not take away freedoms and, and all this other stuff, people are getting violent. People are angry and you're basically throwing gasoline on a fire. That's, 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 that's right there. So the, the, I, I don't know how, why Newsweek, which is typically, you know, you would hope that they were kind of a, be more of a reputable uh, news site, but there's, there's, they're basically taking statistics that are widely uh, out of, out of, uh, um, you know, taking it and construing it and, and twisting it into something that it's not supportive of. Um, and, and so, um, yes, there probably are m- more shootings, um, potentially who knows we i guess we'll have to wait and see but it's certainly not like a crazy amount of mass shootings because they're just lumping a whole bunch of stuff in there so it's mm-hmm. a long-winded way of saying this article is based off of bogus information or not bogus information but information that's sort of worthless yeah yep uh that's a pretty good summary dude i mean really here's the thing so the common definition of a mass shooting. And this is, this was noted in the article, right? You touched on this um, being a, a, uh, a shooting incident. Sorry, I scrolled away from it as more, four or more people shot and or killed in a single incident at the same general time and location, but not including the shooter. <clears throat> what I have noticed in a lot of the news stories that I have followed throughout the course of this year is there's been quite an uptick. I, I believe in uh, uh, domestically inspired uh, mass shooting events where you've had a lot of people hold up at home uh, and not going anywhere and tensions run high, emotions, all that stuff. Psychologically, there's some some challenges for, for people um, and uh, not, not the usual outlets, maybe for some people to relieve stress and that kind of thing as well. And so you add that all up. And I mean, there's even examples in this article itself about shootings that very much were something that occurred at somebody's home. Mm-hmm. We don't always know all the all the motivations behind some of those, but it's clear that some of those have been, I think, a little more common this year. Uh, and, and just by nature of there being, you know, at least four people in a household that are shot, well, boom, there you go. You, it lands on the mass uh, mass shooting database, if you will according to gun violence archive, which I should have done a little of this research beforehand, but uh, uh, I, 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 I didn't have the time to do so. And I was doing a little digging into who is the gun violence archive.org. And I don't have all the answers yet, but let's just say I am pretty certain their funding is coming from entities that have ties to gun control organizations. <clears throat> insert here every town uh anyway all right which funds a lot of things including the trace and other 
websites that try to come across as being open and fair and unbiased, but there's a subtle hidden agenda, even though they won't tell you that. <clears throat> All right. I, I got one more thing to add in here. Yeah, sure. In case you thought that I was the listeners, cause you don't, you're probably not looking at the article right now in case you thought I was kind of um, being a little bit um, bombastic about these articles, not presenting the data correctly. I just want to tell you, read verbatim from a couple sentences here. Uh, the U S has seen up to seven people killed in at least three mass shootings in 2020, which would say, wow, this is crazy. You know, up to seven people killed. These are the two that they, they highlight in March, Alabama emergency crews said they found seven adults dead inside of some Villermo Springs home, which had been set alight. According to world uh, WTOC uh, crews reported, they found seven adults. Uh, they ruled out domestic violence. They don't know what caused it, but it wasn't, you know, when we're thinking about mass shootings, we're not thinking about some sort of compound where seven people are shot and, you know, the, the details are kind of sketchy. The next one in September, seven people were killed in a marijuana factory massacre in California. I'm not, again, I'm not saying these people are not worthwhile and, you know, it's okay if they're shot and killed. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying they're presenting the data as if, you know, tying it into the mass shooting thought of, schools and churches in, you know, concerts in the highest ones, the most notable ones that they even pull from in the article are not those typical ones that uh, you would think of. So, yeah. well, like back to that, that one occurred at a home uh, again, they, they, they say that investigators rule out domestic violence, but it doesn't really matter because this is very clearly a targeted uh, massacre of people. Right. You know, whether it's something that occurred within that household or something outside the household, the, the household, but it's clear that the people in that household were the target. Mm -hmm. It's very non-typical of what we generally associate with mass shootings. Uh, all right, let's uh, move on now to this article. This is on foxbusiness.com. And this says here, Vista Outdoors reports ammunition backlog of over 1 billion. That is one with a B, 1 billion dollars. And according to CEO Chris Metz, uh, Vista Outdoor CEO, this says, we currently have over a year's worth of orders for ammunition. It's crazy. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I, I don't even know how to calculate that. That is an insane number of rounds. Uh, and you know, so it's, it's hard to classify all of this, but you know, what this is going to be is a lot of orders from distributors, orders from dealers, uh, also some private, you know, party orders too. I mean, like you can go right to Federal's website. F Federal would be the the biggest uh, brand that Vista Outdoors represents, you know, or, or owns as far as ammunition production. And uh, of course, they recently added Remington uh, to that brand as well. Uh, but you can go to the website and buy ammo directly from them, right? Uh, they're not doing back orders for those types of sales. But I, in talking with some of the industry folks that I know, dealers and wholesalers and such, uh, they have huge orders on the books just sitting, waiting to be fulfilled by companies like Vista Outdoors. Uh, Vista mm -hmm. Outdoors, again, owns and, and represents uh, uh, Federal, CCI, Spear, 
now Remington, as I noted a moment ago, and we covered that in recent industry news as well, uh, like last episode, I think, and Blazer, Blazer Brass, which is uh, CCR, CCI, essentially. essentially. So <clears throat> anyway, um, also interesting things to note in this article, an estimated 1.9 million firearms were sold in October this year, 65% more than the same month in 2019. Wow. Right. Yeah, so tons of guns being being bought, tons of ammo being bought, tons of ammo being ordered. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. These are crazy yeah. times we are in for sure. Yeah, what I pulled out of this after I was like my picked up my jaw off the floor, I was saying this just means that anybody who is holding out on some hope that the ammo would come back to some sort of realistic price and in you know uh quantities at your stores and stuff is just it's not going to happen anytime soon yeah well yep all right let's move on to oh come on it's being a little slow to respond to me here the computer i think i just accidentally closed two tabs why don't you give us the next story i'll have to get it (laughs) open back up this is uh, the NRA agrees to a $2.5 million fine, five-year ban insurance uh, insurance ban in New York. Yeah. So we, we know that, uh, you know, the NRA a couple of years ago came out their carry guard insurance program, right? And they sold insurance all over the country. But in New York, like in, in a few other states, they got themselves, of course, Carry Guard is now basically defunct. Like it's gone. Hmm. You know, you can't yep. get new memberships with Carry Guard. Uh, I believe there's still some memberships that are active that were essentially grandfathered in, in in a few states, but I don't even know for sure on that. And why would you go with a program or stick with a program that is <laughs> right. basically gone at this point? I have no idea. Of course, we would recommend CCW Safe. But anyway, they're under some serious heat in New York State. Uh, in fact, New York City, which is where the NRA is remarkably based. The NRA has been based in New York for, I think, all of its history. And, you know, they're under essentially an investigation of sorts um, by the uh, state attorney general and, um, and and the governor's putting some heat on them as well. Meanwhile... <clears throat> Specifically on the carry guard thing, they sold this these carry guard memberships, and New York says that they were selling the equivalent of insurance and doing so without a license to do to do that. So that's the big beef here, and so thus the settlement in a, in an essence here that's what this equates to uh, is essentially a settlement, right? You know, working back and forth with the state, and the state says, okay. Fine. Here we go. You want to be settled and done with this? Here's the agreement. You pay two and a half million dollars of a fine and you have to agree to not do any insurance related business for five years. And that's even if NRA does go and pursue obtaining a a lawful uh, insurance license to offer insurance products in the state, which by the way, pretty sure wouldn't happen. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if New York state was just like, Nope, not doing that. Uh, also I don't think the NRA is, uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure they've, they have ditched the idea of carry guard, uh, at least that I can tell. So yeah, 
There you go. NRA under, under fire, under heat. No, no surprise. Uh, it's good that this part of it, I think is, is settled. I think the whole investigation into them, uh, you know, by the state, as far as looking into their financial records and all that stuff, I think, you know, I think it's a witch hunt, frankly. Uh, in, in other words, I think there's probably better places and things to be looking and, and things to do uh, for the state to be looking into uh, as far as entities or businesses within their own state. Um, you know, the, does the NRA have problems financially speaking as far as, uh, you know, spending money on things that I think are probably a bit of a stretch? Um, is it an organization that has got a lot of conflict both inside and outside the organization? Yeah, it does. But the fact that the the state of New York is essentially trying to find a way they can justify shutting down the organization, I think is an absolute witch hunt. Yeah. And, and, and before, you know, I, I think it's easy to jump on and say, you know, reg- regardless of what you think about the NRA as an organization, I think um, the fact that the uh, New York is not allowing um, or, or I, mean, I think it's a disservice to those people uh, who want to have some sort of protection uh, if they do have some um, self-defense uh, issue. Right. And, and so I think, um, I think it's, a it's, it's tough for those living there. So I guess, you know, all right, let's go on now to another story. This one's according to bearingarms.com and the title is SCOTUS or Supreme court of the United States turns away one to a case and another case is held in conference. Uh, I don't know if, how much you had uh, time-wise to review this story, Matthew, but I'll give you kind of a quick rundown. Um, but basically, you know, we're at a place right now where the Supreme Court is probably the strongest it's been in a long, long, long time in terms of the uh, members on the court and what we believe are their, their, their opinions or their viewpoint or their um, the way they interpret or believes that the the Constitution should be interpreted on such matters such as the Second Amendment, uh, and so it's it's you know I think everybody's really interested and curious in seeing how this new Supreme Court uh, makeup, you know, with the addition of of Amy Coney, Coney Barrett uh, replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the court and seeing kind of how you know what is the makeup of the court now? Like, what is this going to look like going forward? The answer is it's, it's a little bit early to tell. Okay. Um, Justice Barrett's barely been on there for a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, what we know is that very recently they heard uh, or a, a case was brought to the court that they have elected to, um, to not take up yet. And in fact, um, they're 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 basically putting it on hold, if you will, because and the reason for it, and this is a case, by the way, this is this one's near and dear to my heart because this one is a case out of Colorado, right? We have our 15 round capacity limit law. It was put into effect in 2013, a horrible law, also one that's woefully unenforceable as far as laws go, and uh, you have uh, a case called Caldara or Caldera versus city of Boulder, which I'm pretty certain that is John Caldera, who is a local mm, 
kind of a local news or media celebrity, if you will, a very conservative. He's, he's had a talk show host or he's had a talk show and different things on local AM radio and stuff like that. And John Caldera has sued the city of Boulder and this has worked its way up. And the fact is this case is still in process in the state Supreme court. So the federal court in the, in the federal Supreme court is basically saying, we're going to wait till this is resolved at the state Supreme court level. And then maybe we'll take up this case. So this was not a, we're not interested in the case. This was more of a procedural, Hey, this is going on and that should probably be resolved before we do our thing. And that's probably a, a fair way of approaching it because it certainly, I mean, it's a waste of federal Supreme court resources for them to spend a lot of time on this case. If for whatever reason, the case is resolved in favor of John Caldera. Okay. Meaning that that, and that's, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about hopefully a resolution that bans these magazine capacity limits. And so we'll, we'll have to just see how this goes because this, if the, if the state Supreme court issues its own ruling and overturns uh, the law, then, you know, then there's no point in the, in the federal court taking it up unless it was then appealed up higher uh, from the other side, from the city of Boulder side. So the other case is another one out of, I think, California. Was this one out of California? I feel like it was out of California. I thought I read this somewhere. Coniglia versus Strom. And uh, this is a case. Oh, excuse me. This was Rhode Island. I'm getting that one confused with something else. So in Rhode Island, you had a husband and wife. Uh, I believe they're they're split up now. Uh, husband and wife of 22 years, they got in a big argument and, you know, things were not good. And the husband slammed down an unloaded pistol on the table in front of his wife and said, why don't you just shoot me and get me out of my misery? So not the best move. Okay. Like that's just, that's never a good play. Even if the gun's unloaded and even if you aren't actually serious about it, or, you know, your spouse or whatever is not going to take you up on that. Like that's a dumb thing to do. So what happens? She leaves the house. She calls the police, says she's concerned about her husband. Uh, and so police go over and they're like, look, here's the deal, man. That's pretty extreme. We're going to take you to the hospital for a mental evaluation. And tell you, and, and of course, he, the husband put up a bit of a fight to that. You know, He didn't want to. He's like, I'm fine. I'm cool. Everything's good. And basically the police say, hey, hey, here's the deal. If you will go with us voluntarily to the hospital and provided the hospital you know, set uh, releases you with a clean slate of, of health, mental health uh, as well, then uh, we're not going to confiscate your guns. Okay. So if the hospital says you're good, then we're good and we'll just let this drop. Instead, he, and he, he did go to the hospital with the police uh, uh, willingly. He voluntarily went, the hospital evaluated him, found him to be <clears throat> in good health mentally and physically released him on his own cognizance. He goes home, finds out the cops did in fact actually seize his guns, which they were not supposed to. And they did that without a warrant. And so that, and and by the way, if you're thinking, well, maybe this is a red flag thing. This actually is a case dating back to 2015, which is really pre red flag law, or at least, you know, I don't believe uh, Rhode Island had anything like that at that time. And many States did not have anything uh, so, you know, like a red flag law, um, five years ago, a few did, but not, not many. It's been more of a thing in the last uh, couple of years. So anyway, um, this is more of a fourth amendment 
case or the second amendment one, obviously second amendments involved, but basically the court tabled it for now and said that we're going to, they're going to take another look at this case on Friday and then we'll see where it goes from there. So that's, that's the Coniglia versus Strom case. Yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty, if you, if you think about it, I mean, uh, we're talking about suicides and, and that's, it's a huge problem, right? I mean, we have to be honest. Um, a lot of people commit suicide uh, with firearms, right? And so um, I think this is one of those areas where um, it, it, it shows that, that the inclination of any government entity, whether it be the officers on scene or the hospital staff or whatever, um, the inclination somewhere is going to be to err on the side of caution, right? And this is what the kind of the concern is with red flag laws is that given one of these like iffy scenarios, like, hey, this guy is an actual, you know, immediate threat to himself. Sure, he said it, but he had the firearm there. If he was an actual, you know, probably actually going to commit suicide with a firearm, he had it in his hand. He could have committed suicide. He's probably just blown off seam in a really, you know, not a very healthy way. Um and somebody's going to say, I, I guarantee, I, I bet either the officers said this to, you know, ease him to, to, to calm him down or the officers did that. And then a supervisor came back and said, look, dude, we're not going to be the ones that have this guy get kicked from the hospital, come back and kill himself. And we're, that, that looks bad on us. So we're going to seize the guns. And if he wants to sue us for violation of his fourth amendment, so be it. But we'd rather have that happen than have a dead dude that it's, you know, the implication is we could have stopped it. And so um, this is the this is the concern that I always have with judges who are looking at, you know, an ex parte hearing where somebody's not there to defend themselves and they say, yeah, I don't know. I don't have this guy's story. I don't really need it to make this decision, but I'm going to err on the side of caution and say, go get the guns. And then it starts this process. So uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a, a difficult situation, but um, hopefully it gets remedied somehow. Yep. Yep. We'll see. We'll see if the Supreme Court decides to take that case up or not. Yeah. Uh, but that is an important one, I think, in, in establishing and reaffirming the Fourth Amendment yeah. and the relationship there to the Second Amendment. That's a very, very important thing because yeah. uh, it's not cool. This dude's guns were, were taken. They were, no. You know, there's no warrant in place. Again, he was found to be mentally competent and in good health. Um, so, yeah. All right, going on now to an article from thegunfeed.com. Uh, this one is titled NSSF, which is the numbers. U.S. has 434 million guns, 20 million ARs, and 150 million standard capacity magazines. <laughs> and uh, you know, by that, they really mean, I mean, these are, there's 150 million magazines right the the the, the type that we ought to have <laughs> ones that should come factory or you know from the factory yep so uh just some interesting numbers here so it says uh, right off the bat that there's nearly two or 20 million modern sporting rifles uh in, in circulation all right Approximately 71.2 million pistol magazines capable of holding more than 10 rounds and 79.2 million rifle magazines capable of holding 30 or more rounds in circulation. That's actually really fascinating to me. You know, we have 
20 million AR-15s, essentially, modern sporting rifles. They have 434 million total guns, but only 150 or so million magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. Um, and, and who's to say that, you know, these numbers are exact, but, but these are, if anything, I think the numbers are probably bigger than they are. Oh yeah. And so these are still very impressive numbers. Uh, says in 2018, 11.4 million total firearms were produced or imported. Now let's put that in context. So in 2018, 11 million, a little more than 11 million guns were made in 2018, which just a moment ago, we covered a story about how, uh, in the month of October of this year, there were 1.9 million guns sold. And let's be clear on that. A lot of times that number comes from uh, uh, background checks. Okay. And the thing is, is a lot of times people, there's always the possibility that someone buys more than one gun in one transaction and one transaction equals one background check. Right. So it can actually be a higher number than that, but let's put it in context. Let's just assume or 1.9 million guns were sold last month. And in total, only 11.4 million were made in all 2018. Does that put it in the context? Like, because at the current, like if you assume now, granted, not, not all of the 1.9 million guns sold last month are new manufacturer, but just put it in context that, you know, if you make 11.4 million firearms in a year, industry wide you know you, you only selling about 900,000 a month is going to completely sell out that inventory you know right. over a year's time so yeah point is um that's why we, we're seeing ammunition shortages it's also why we're seeing some shortages in in certain firearms right especially the ar-15 style um, and, and certain pistols as well. I noticed that if you're patient, you, you can generally find most of what you're looking for pistol or, or, or excuse me, firearm wise. It's the ammunition, of course, that's really, really scarce right now. Um, it says approximately one half, and this is a big number too. For, so it says approximately one half or about 48% of all rifles produced and imported less exports in 2018 were modern sporting rifles or AR style, AR style rifles. So about one half of all rifles produced were essentially AR-15 style. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Uh, I could go into, there's more numbers here, but point is lots of guns in America. And that's a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I mean, it, the the statistics are pretty mind boggling. It's, it's talking about an estimated 8.7 billion rounds of all calibers and gauges. I mean, it's crazy that the, the sheer number, but and I, I guess what I would say is if you're looking at this, this is the guns that we know, right? Like you, you hit on that. Um, but so th- when, when somebody says we're going to go and get these guns, like, okay, you have 20 million ARs that, you know, plus, you know, all the other, uh, uh, other ARs out there. Um, it's just insane. Like it's, it's impossible. Yeah. And it, it, so, I mean, I'm not saying the, in it, the, uh, drive or the, the, uh, the, the desire to take them is, is not there. And in these guns will be taken from the low hanging fruit, right? Like the gun owners that they want to, you know, okay, just turn in your guns or, Oh, you have it registered. We can go get these. These are the ones that they're going to get, but you can't get 20 million ARs, um, plus all the other ones back. So, um, 
it's going it, to, it, it's crazy. The numbers are yeah. just mind boggling. Yeah. It even says here that it's, and it's a record breaking number, uh, 17.2 million, uh, background checks in the first 10 months of 2020. So that's a lot. And again, keep in mind that that's just background checks. And there are many of those 17.2 million that have multiple guns included as part of that, uh, transaction. So, yeah, Jared here comments that you could assume that almost twice as many firearms are going to be sold this year as were produced in 2018. That's probably not far from the truth. Yeah, I think you're right. Remarkable times we are in, uh, whether for good or bad. I mean, it's good that guns are getting in the hands of the people, the people that, you know, deserve to have those guns in particular. Um, Yeah, and and a lot of new gun owners, first-time gun owners, right, and all kinds of demographics. You know, we've talked about that before, about some of the strongest and fastest growing demographics of gun owners are your minorities and women. And that is a positive thing, right? You know, I don't mean to get too political, but, you know, just looking at some of the uh, voting statistics for the 2020 election, and you look at, uh, uh, there's all, there is, of course, it's, it's a mix and it's a bit of a wash across the board as you look at the various demographics of people that voted for Trump. But Trump got, more votes from the African-American population than pretty much any Republican president has had in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that wonders, you know, if some of that is like, there's a lot more newer and, and newly discovering gun owners out there that, you know, it, it makes me wonder, are they, are they going, Hey, wait, I just joined the gun owning ranks this year. I'm just getting into this. I'm just learning. I'm just practicing. I'm just training. I'm just doing this for the first time in my life. And then maybe for the first time in their life, they're also beginning to think about their ballots uh, from a second amendment perspective that maybe they have it in the past because they weren't gun owners before. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating there, but it's something interesting to think about. Yeah. I, I think um, if Trump did anything, he kind of broke the, the, the system that's in place, right. As far as um, these people vote for this group and these people vote for that group and, that's just how it goes. And I think that he exposed that and said, Hey, look, like vote for who you want. And, you know, I'm going to tell you what I want and you might not like it, but you vote for me or you don't. Right. Like, so I think, um, people are starting to say, look, I'm not going to be told what is important in my life when I can see what's important to me and I'm going to vote for those things. So I think guns did definitely play it, play a role, but, um, you know, we'll have to see. All righty. Awesome stuff. Let's go to Omaha, Nebraska. This story is titled <laughs> guard is fired after his gun goes off in an elevator of an Omaha business. I'll give you the short story and then I'll turn it over to you, Matthew, you give <laughs> some of the details. Basically, uh, this is like in the afternoon one day uh, and uh, in an office building is actually at the corporate offices of Methodist health systems. And then, again, this is in Omaha, Nebraska. And there's actually talks about a witness who recalls hearing a, a loud sound that sounded like a gunshot, a muffled gunshot. And it turns out that there was a security guard in an elevator that discharged his weapon unintentionally. And it went into the doors of the elevator and uh, very nearly penetrated through the other side. It actually penetrated the inner portion The you know, most elevator doors are, are, are metal, right? Uh, it managed to penetrate all the way through to the 
back from his from the guard's perspective went all the way through that door till that last layer of steel and 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 like pushed it outward but stopped at that point uh the the guard then quickly exited and left the building <laughs> apparently not you know telling anybody about this but of course we all found out uh and and there, it's, there's quite a story that goes along with this so so matthew uh give us give us the juice yeah, so they, like Riley dropped this in the, the the outline like five minutes before we come in, and I start reading it, and I'm like, it fired me up like instantaneously because basically, if if you listen to the podcast and all our what not to dos and like all our um you know we do a, we we do a lot of uh I don't know topics where we talk about training and holsters and safety and whatnot and um. And this hit like every single thing. If I was thinking in my mind, a situation where I could pinpoint like 70,000 things that this, that, that could have been changed in this and, and stop this from happening. So um, a couple of things I just wanted to like, like bring out is um, he says, um, let me see. Uh, it says the guard told police his holster was too far back on his belt, digging into his side and pulling his pants down. He said he tried to remove the gun from the holster in the elevator to decrease the weight of the belt. He told the officer that his finger must have, oh yeah, I I would say it was, not must have, been on the trigger when he pulled out the gun. The guard said, listen to this, he usually doesn't keep a round chambered and was surprised when it went off. All right, so like that whole little paragraph tells me so much about this dude's frame of mind his you know uh, his uh, desire to actually put any sort of thought into carrying a firearm right um it, obviously no no uh, no level of training or or desire because you can tell sometimes you know we we talk to people and we say hey that's not a great holster right or um you really should get a good uh, gun belt and they're like, uh, you know, I don't need a gun belt. I got this holster and I've been using this holster and it's worked fine for, you know, but here's the thing. This dude doesn't have a good belt. Why? Because a MMP nine millimeter handgun pulls his pants down. So anybody with a decent belt, right, that's not going to happen. It's not going to be an issue. If you have a holster that you've worn or, or done any sort of training with, you're going to know where to position it on your body when you're moving around so it doesn't dig in your hip and you don't have to go through all this rigmarole, right? And, 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 a, and a holster that is proper shouldn't be moving around on your belt or anything anyways, right? And so this dude's mentality is I'm not going to carry around in the chamber because I'm going to have a gun and that's going to keep me safe. And if I need to do it, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll chamber around, I'll have time or whatever. And I just want to keep the gun safe. Um, but when you don't train and you don't get into a system or a, a procedure where that gun is always treated as if it was loaded, um, then you don't, you, you may not know when you're carrying with the round in the chamber or when you're not. And this dude cranks off around and doesn't think around is in it. So I, it, there's just so many little things that you see and it all points to a frame of mind that is not a serious, well, um, responsible or, or thought out methodology of carrying a firearm. And we talk about it all the time about, you know, carrying a firearm is not just, it's not an accessory you throw on. It's, it's, it's a mentality that, you know, you're carrying a 
a lethal tool. And so, um, yeah, it just got me fired up. And so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop picking <laughs> on this guy, but, um, yeah, <laughs> you covered it pretty well, but, uh, I, so a couple of things here, sometimes, uh, for instance, I'll just mention specifically, like the P320 has got a lot of heat in recent years with uh, apparent, you know, spontaneous discharges, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an initial issue that was legitimate, yes, probably blown out of proportion, but definitely a legitimate issue where, of course, the P320 was well known for having a, a specific angle and dropping from a certain height and landing on the back of the gun at that angle could potentially discharge that that gun it could actually defeat and really what was happening is the mass of the trigger and trigger components was heavy enough with that fall to actually move all that to the rear it wasn't actually defeating necessarily any of the actual safety mechanisms it was just that it wasn't safe to begin with as far as the mass of the trigger uh and trigger components so that was fixed right and recently there's been some lawsuits uh from a couple of cases where people said they had the upgraded P320 and they're claiming that I was on duty. I was doing this thing. I was just removing my gun belt or I was just getting in my, in my car or out of my car or whatever. And the gun just all of a sudden went off. And I'll tell you, you know, knowing how the new upgraded P320 works uh, and knowing just how unlikely that is to occur I'm going to point to this story as an example of things that happen that people then try to attribute to something else. And I'm, I know for a fact this happens. This is a clear cut example of a security guard that knows he messed up and he's afraid to admit it. And only when he is directly questioned by police, does he finally admit what happened? And even then he's like, I must've had my finger on the trigger. Right. And I did this. Mm, yeah, buddy, you, you must have, right? And, and so I'm pretty certain that there's times that we try to blame certain incidents on guns and on the equipment being a failure. And it's probably, it's probably honestly on, on us, on the people that are mm-hmm. making those claims. Whether they realize, because I think it's plausible that somebody could pull a gun out of a holster and without realizing it because of various circumstances, their finger goes on the trigger before they know it. And, and the, the sudden shock of the gun going off kind of erases their, their brain, if you will, temporarily like, Oh, how'd that happen? Like it must've just gone off. Um, Or there's also probably times I think that people are actually lying about what happened because they're so embarrassed and don't want to admit and go on record as saying I did that. I screwed that because they know they know better, right? I know that's a long-winded way of, of, of kind of talking about this issue, but this story is a great example of somebody making a mistake, knowing they made a mistake, and being afraid and embarrassed in talking about it. And I'm glad that, if I, the, that finally the story came out because we can learn from stuff like this. I hope this individual, I know they were fired from their job, and it's probably going to make getting another security job uh, more difficult. And I know there's comments online, even people saying, you know, this dude's an idiot. You know, he, he shouldn't even be carrying a gun in the first place and all this stuff that, that, that may be true, but I, I, I don't wish ill on anybody and anybody can learn. And I hope this yeah. is the catalyst for this individual to go. I was clearly not prepared and trained well enough 
to do what I was doing, to carry a gun and to perform my, my uh, duties in this job capacity. Um, I, I can do better and I need to go get more training. And I hope it becomes a positive thing for this man as opposed to destroying or ruining his life in any way. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think this could go speak to a larger, broader topic about, um, you know, I would assume that there's some sort of training standard for security guards in that state. I don't know, but I'm just assuming because most states have some something like that, right? Like a, a, a train, uh, a security guard card or something that you have to uh, meet a certain level of training. And I think this could go to that broader topic of, you know, when you have a standard level of training, what standard is that? And is it um, adequate? Right. Like in what what are the requirements uh, of, you know, uh, recertifying and things like that. And so, you know, th- this this goes into that mandated training for concealed carry licenses where, you know, you have a bunch of different instructors teaching different curriculum that all meets the state guidelines and people think, oh, well, I got the concealed carry training and it's all the same from any instructor, but one is doing a the poor job. Right. And the, the, the standards aren't even, you know, applicable to carrying a firearm. It's just basic gun safety. And so, um, I think, you know, this, this goes to a dude that, you know, that a lot of people could fall into this trap of, I got my, my guard card and therefore I'm good. Like, why would they give me a guard card if I wasn't trained enough? And yep. so we need to, we need to keep, um, you know, it's a, it's a conversation for another time, but. Yep. And and that's fair too, that, uh, that there, there may very well be, and, and probably is some, some shared responsibility, uh, upon the security guard companies. Uh, and I'll say not, not all security companies are created equal or have the same level of standards or care that, that, uh, others do. Um, yeah, because I've definitely seen security companies that take things very seriously and train their guys at what I'd say is a pretty good level, um, pretty on par, and in some cases exceeding standards that are held by many law enforcement agencies. But there's lots of security companies that are just lowest common denominator, lowest, uh, you know, whatever the 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 lo- little the smallest amount of training that they can get away with. That's what they're going to do because it's 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 an, it's an expense. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I get that. And everyone's always trying to reduce expenses and increase their bottom line. But uh, if you're in the security business, you should take it seriously. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Final story before we get to our reviews. Uh, this is actually just to let you know that a new product uh, has been announced and released. Well, it hasn't actually hit the market just yet. It's not quite yet for sale, but it's something that I am really excited about. I'm actually going to just let this this video roll as we talk about this a little bit. But what this is, is uh, uh, this is the new Enigma from Filster. This is a, this is a new holster type, or it's a holster carrying product that is kind of like a cross between a belly band and a more traditional setup, but way, 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 way better. Right. Mm -hmm. Because what you see here is basically a a standalone belt system with a mounting plate. 
that's actually that's also actually flexible. I might add, it's, it's a special product made by a company called Axel AXL. And this material, they're actually using it in some other filter products. I have their Ascent holster pouch or a mag pouch, for instance, that uses the same material. It's very thin and lightweight and flexible, but very strong. And so this flexible plate, if you will, becomes the mounting platform for the holster. And in this way, this is a holster solution that allows you to use a quality holster made from, you know, solid material like Kydex that completely protects and, and properly retains the firearm, but then is on is mounted to its own standalone belt system that has all kinds of adjustment and tweaking and customization so that you can make this work with your body. And, and the reason why for this product, for a product like this is, well, it's a holster product that or a holster carrying product, if you will. Again, this is the belt system, not the holster itself. You can attach a variety of different holsters to this belt system, <clears throat> but this allows you to wear it with basically any kind of clothing or no clothes at all, even because it, it, it's 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 and it's its own independent gun carrying system. Yeah, I I, I watched the uh, the release of it last night. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's super cool because obviously, you know, there's going to be people say, Hey, I don't want this. It's got, you know, I, I, I like the traditional belt, whatever. That's, that's great. You know? Um, but when Philster, I I mean, John, the, 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 the guy who kind of, uh, uh, put this thing together, um, they've been working on this for like what you said, two years. years. And I mean, if you look at all of Filster's products, they're so carefully designed and thoughtfully. I mean, like even this, this little flexible, you know, I, I don't know, chassis thing that you want, that the holster mounts to, it's flexible in a certain area and not as flexible in another in order to create uh, the correct torsion or torque on the gun. So it, it sits you know, more, more concealable. And it just like all the little things that go into um, how he designs these things is, is just amazing. The guy, um, he's a smart dude. Like that's all I can say. He, when it comes to create, making a holster or carrying a gun, the guy is, is smart. It's uh, yeah. He, it's, I'm excited. I, I can't wait till this thing comes out and I'd love to try it. So yeah, I am too. I'm excited. I I, I will be getting one. There, yeah. There's no doubt about that. And we'll probably uh, share my thoughts and review on that on the on a future news and reviews episode yep. down the road. Without a doubt. Uh, I mean, this is a true solution that uh, can work for just about any style or method of dress, except for maybe actually wearing a dress, right? If you actually have a one-piece dress that, not that that's how I dress or anything. Right. Be clear. But anyway. Sometimes. Uh, yes, Casey, you're correct. Uh, I, I did say you could wear this with no clothes. And the joke that I kind of had or made about this is that I could literally go to bed naked with this thing, wearing it and jump up in the middle of the night and I'd have my gun and everything like right there, ready to go. You know, don't, don't picture that too, uh, <laughs> too much there. I, I'm sorry for the image, but the point is, is it's independent of the clothing that you wear, mm. it's a complete system and a method of carrying a gun. And one, as far as I can tell, is probably going to work very well. 
uh, relatively inexpensive, I think, for what you get. There's some custom or more custom-made solutions out there in the market that are more like, you know, they're quite expensive. Uh, th this one's going to be about $85 for that belt system. So I know some are still going to think, well, that's that's quite a bit more than I'm willing to spend for something like that. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, based on what I know about carrying a gun and how I like to carry a gun, uh, that's a you don't have to ask the question. I'm, I'll, I'll drop 85 bucks on that all day long. All right. Uh, so speaking of which, uh, gear reviews, uh, we have just a few more minutes before I have uh, a meeting I have to go to. Uh, so I'm going to be pretty quick and, and brief about this. But uh, my review this episode is on, well, it's a product that I have to admit that we sell. Okay. But I've been wearing and trying these out for the last couple of months and wore them to USPSA nationals and area two uh, championship USPSA uh, championship. But these are the new ready up gear, uh, Roger 22 protective earmuffs. Uh, and so my review is basically it's, it's simple and straightforward. Look, these things cost like 45 bucks or something like that. It's what we sell them for on the, on the readyupgear.com website. Uh, these are fantastic earmuffs for, for hearing protection, for shooting, whatever, uh, for, for that kind of price. Uh, they're, they're comfortable. They're very adjustable. The audio quality of them, I think, is, is quite good. The noise cancellation is excellent as far as, you know, they, they work the way they're supposed to work as far as amplifying ambient noise until uh, until a gunshot is heard. And then they, they do a very good job of shutting off and minimizing, uh, you know, protecting your ears. Uh, you'll see that mine actually has some upgraded, these are not standard, but these are the upgraded, uh, these are the gel ear cups. And these are going to be available very soon as well. So I'm actually giving it, giving that away a little bit as far as that's that's not announced, announced officially. But these gel cups will be available for sale on our website as well. And we'll have gel cups for these Roger 22 earmuffs as well as for, for some other popular brands if you guys want to buy some gel cups for your other hearing protection as well. These combined with these upgraded gel cups makes these, I think, worth quite a bit more than what you'd actually pay for them. Uh, puts them on par with much, much higher end, higher quality uh, hearing protection. So yes, you could say this is a biased review because we sell them, we make money from selling them, but I wouldn't sell these if I didn't think that they're they're worth what you pay for them. And they are definitely worth, they're worth more than I think what we are selling them for. So very happy with the Ready Up Gear Roger 22 protective earmuffs. Yes, and as of November 18th, 2020, there's no reason not to have Electronic Ear Pro on the range. I mean, just just saying, it, it, especially with the prices, it's and it's so much better. I mean, the experience will be so much better for you, especially if you're taking a class. You're not like, hey, what what did you say? What's the course of fire? You know, so um, yeah, good investment. Yep. You know it. All, All right. right. What's your review? Uh, and I didn't pick this before I saw the article about the, the security guard, but I was, uh, I posted a picture on face or uh, on, uh, some social media thing, Instagram. And, uh, I was talking about the core essentials belt EDC, uh, belt. And, um, it's, it's an awesome belt. It's, uh, if, if it's one of those belts that has like a track system in here and as it, you can hear it kind of uh, click, 
like that. So it kind of uh, clicks, it gets uh, its tension that way. So you can get micro adjustments. You don't have to get, you know, poke a hole through to get your, your belt um, dialed in just how you want it. Um, Super sturdy. Um, It's, it's rigid um, and it it holds the the, the belt uh, or the, the gun really well. They're really cool because you can get different buckles and the buckle comes off and you can switch the buckles, different colors. And if you're in a fashion and stuff, um, different color belts and uh, they have a leather one that is also, I believe, like an EDC uh, stiffer belt. And then they make, you know, a, a softer belt. But if you're looking for, you know, a, a harder type um gear belt and I know, or, or, uh, everyday carry belt. And I know some people don't like a super strong, some of them, you know, some people like a little softer belt. If you like a little firmer and you're looking for something that kind of clicks, uh, in a place that's, you know, intriguing to you or something that you'd like to try. Um, these belts are really, really good. So, um, yeah, core essentials, K O R E not C O R E, but K O R E. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for uh, sharing that review with us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, I've, I don't have a core essentials belt, uh, but as John mentions here in the comments, he says, it's like next belt. I do have a next belt, actually a couple of next belts uh, that work very similarly. Uh, In fact, I, I could be wrong in this, but I was kind of an impression they might even be owned or part of the same company. I know for sure, for sure they're using the same ratcheting mechanism. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, uh, you know, it, it works pretty pretty well, um, but uh, it's it's not. Um, I you know, so I'll, I'll be honest with you. I use my next belt uh, on when I'm dressing nicer. I have a I have a kind of a dress style belt, and it looks mm-hmm. very nice. It's very low profile as far as like you wouldn't guess that it's a gun belt, right. but it totally is, and works great in that in that. Uh, in that way. Again, I have not played with the core essentials belts and they look quite a bit beefier than the next belts that I have. And so I have no reason to, to think they're, that they're, that everything you just said isn't true. So awesome. Yeah. Glad to yep. hear, hear it, brother. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, it's time for us to let you all go and wrap up another episode of the concealed carry podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Uh, again, today's episode brought to you by CCW safe. Again, go on over to ccwsafe.com, get signed up today. And also today's episode sponsored by Guardian Nation, guardiannation.com. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, you can sign up for a 14-day free trial at concealedcarry.com forward slash 14-day, 1-4-D-A-Y. And that will allow you to try out our membership for two weeks with no commitment. And you can make sure you are part of tomorrow evening's Guardian Nation live broadcast from CCW Safe Headquarters in Oklahoma City. Jacob and I will both be there. Uh, And our special guest is Gary Eastridge of CCW Safe. It's going to be a fantastic evening. So we'll see you, many of you there, you know, as far as there virtually tomorrow evening. And for all the rest of you, until next time, next week, uh, next Wednesday, I expect we'll be back with more podcast content. And until then, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.
reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.